Hi, this is Sam McNeil from Sales Secret System with Mr. Brian Clark. How are you today, Brian? Sam, it's a wonderful day. Um, it's been a big week. Um, lots of stuff happening and um, all things are uh, looking pretty good on this end. Yep, sure is a beautiful day. It's a lovely time of year here in the Southern Hemisphere. Um, <laughs> becoming autumnal, so um, a mild 27 degrees outside, blue skies and sunshine today on the Sunshine Cast, Brian. Gee, and you know, I think the best part of this time of the year is the fact that um, my air conditioner can actually be turned off. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, save a bit of the go-go juice for the aircon. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so what we're going to talk about on today's podcast, Brian. This is a, um, a follow-on from our, um, our previous uh, podcast, and this one is, um, is going to be great. Uh, again, we're... we're this one doesn't, I guess, apply uh, just purely to people who sell intangibles. But um, again, its its focus is going to be, uh, I guess, a little bit more in that regard. And it's basically, uh, what do you do uh, before you meet with a prospect? Um, you've got the appointment. Now what? And then um, we'll go through not only that part, but then what do you do when you walk in the door? Yeah. So all of this is going to be a pretty pragmatic episode, and. Uh, Again, if you um, if you're listening to us, uh, make sure you have a pen and uh, paper handy, or um, maybe if you're uh, into Evernote like we are, you might want to type in some notes there so you can go back and um, refer to them. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, it's probably one of my favorite parts of what we do, Brian, is actual sales meetings themselves. Um, it really is when the rubber hits the road, when you get to the pointy end of things. Um, you're looking eyeball to eyeball with somebody who could become one of your clients. So, yeah, it's an exciting subject. Sure is. Sure Alrighty. Is. Um, I'll kick this one off, Brian. Um, so, yeah, you've done, some, you've done some marketing, you've done some prospecting. As you said, Brian, a sales meeting has been arranged. You have a date, a time, and a venue. Now we're going to take that part of it as given. So um, we're not going to talk about all the logistics and all that kind of stuff. We're basically assuming that you got to the point you've got to got to in your business because you can handle the details okay. <laughs> if you can't, you've got a whole bunch of other issues that we can't help you with. Okay, so the first thing you need to be very clear on is what's what's my objective in the meeting I'm going to be going to? What do I hope to accomplish? Um, one of the things I've experienced over the years, particularly working with consultants, but I've also seen it in companies that sell, as you say, not just services, but sell products. One of the things I've seen, which is a little bit scary, is that people go to sales meetings and, and they make one or two mistakes beforehand. Either they don't have in mind what the objective of the meeting is. Um, so in other words, how are you going to know whether you've achieved what you set out to achieve if you don't know what you're trying to achieve? Mistake number two before the meeting um, is they prepare, and I'm talking in detail, from start to finish their whole sales presentation. Um, so they walk into that meeting and it's really going to be a one-way um, communication. From our perspective, both of those approaches to preparing for sales meetings are wrong. Um, the first one, if you don't have an objective, is fairly obvious. You don't know how, how do you know what you, whether you're going to achieve anything or what you're going to achieve. The second one in terms of being too prepared in terms of having a presentation that you're just going to run through is, if you remember back to the previous podcast, one of the things Brian was talking about is really what you're doing when you're selling is you're demonstrating value and you're earning trust. Um, 
You certainly can't cannot earn trust if the conversation is only one way. So in other words, if you're presenting and someone else is simply receiving. Trust comes from communication, it comes from dialogue, it comes from you understanding someone else and they understanding you. So our approach to preparing for meetings is you need to be clear on what your objective is. You need to have in mind what the range of possible outcomes are and what you will do after the meeting based upon which of those outcomes has been achieved. You need to be prepared to go through whatever it is you're going to go through in that sales meeting, which is normally in one shape or another, and we'll talk about the different shapes in a moment, but in one shape or another, it's going to be a form of asking questions and exploring your prospective client or customer's problem space, and hopefully by demonstration, showing that you can help them solve their problem through demonstrating your credibility and your insights into that problem space and your solution. Now, if that's the case, then you need to think through what are the different models in which I could accomplish that? What are the different ways that I can show credibility, show some insights and help this prospective client understand that I can help them solve their problem? And this is a case whether I'm selling a service or whether I'm selling a product. There yeah. are there are two main main ways that um, we use in our business, which are the, the two that I'm going to allude to. They work very well for all kinds of businesses. One of them has been around for a very long time indeed, um, but is still a very good way to sell. The other is slightly newer, and it's something that for anyone who does meet with us in a sales situation, you get to experience for yourself. So the first way is something um, called spin. And spin isn't anything to do with um, spin politics or any of that stuff, which um, probably doesn't have such a good name. It's simply um, a way of asking questions in a sales situation. And it goes way back to, um, from memory, Brian, it goes way back to the 70s with a gentleman called Neil um, Rackham, who was one of the first people ever to actually hit the roads from a research standpoint with a whole bunch of different salespeople and try and identify what are the traits that determine successful salespeople versus not so successful salespeople. And of course, going back to before that research was conducted, um, there's a whole bunch of myths and um, beliefs that have subsequently been proven not to be true about mm. what makes a successful salesperson. Some, yeah. of the, some of the things that were out there, in fact, we still hear some of them today, um, but some of the things that are out there is you have to be a people person uh, you have to be an extrovert to sell. Um, you have to be a slick presenter. Um, you have to polish your shoes every morning. Not that that's a bad thing, but it's not, not a predeterminant of sales success. Um, a, whole, a whole bunch of stuff basically to do with the personality of the individual selling. Um, what Neil Rackham found with the research he did, and he attended, I believe it was something like 65,000 different sales meetings himself and his team attended. Wow, that's incredible. It is, isn't it? And they sat there, and the way they did it is they simply explained that they were there to be trained by the salesperson, and they'd be taking a few nuts. Apart from that, they played no part in the sales meeting itself. They just sat quietly and made some nuts on what the salesperson was doing and recorded the outcome of the sales meeting. What they found, to their surprise, um, was the hypothesis they went in with was disproven. And the hypothesis they went into this reset pro project with was that the more time, the more often and the more frequently a salesperson tries to close the sale, the more successful they will be. 
That was a hypothesis this research team went into this research project having. What they found was there was no correlation whatsoever between the number of attempted clauses and the number of cells. Now clearly there has to be one clause at least, otherwise there is no cell. So they're not, we're not suggesting, nor did the research show, that you cannot close and you'll get cells. But what it did show was there was no direct correlation between the number of attempted clauses and the cell. So in other words, wow. a salesperson who tried to close on the prospect five times was not any more likely to get the cell than a salesperson who only tried to close once. So it's not about personality and it's not about the number of closes. So again, those folks out there who say always be closing, whilst there is a particular line of thinking that supports some of the um, philosophy behind that, if you take it to its um, extreme point when you're trying five or six or ten times to close a prospect to get them to sign the contract, you're not going to be any more successful than somebody who just tries to close once. Yep. So, but mate, yep. what, uh, what do they mean by... Um always closing does that mean that like throughout the uh, the discussion you're um i mean that, that would be a pretty pressurized situation if you're the prospect wouldn't it it is and that, that's one of the reasons why it doesn't really um it's not particularly successful as a sales technique there are companies out there who i'm not going to mention who will run who do run sales training programs around this concept of always be closing and yeah. the, the idea they have is that um the philosophy if you like is that you should always be reading the prospect and whenever you pick up the first tiny sign that the prospect might be ready to buy, then you go in with a close. Um, my personal opinion is it's very stressful for both the prospect and the salesperson. Yep. And if there is that much stress involved in the sales meeting, then how the heck are you going to win somebody's trust? Um, it just makes it real difficult from, from where I stand anyway. And I think you would agree mm -hmm. with that, Brian. Yep. Yep. So, um, what did this research project actually prove then, in terms of what, what are the characteristics, what are the behaviours that actually result more frequently in sales taking place? What they found was there was a particular sequencing of questions that you can ask as a salesperson, that if you ask them in the right sequence, will more likely result in the person buying from you. That's the good news. The tough part of this is, these are not a set of prescriptive questions that you can simply write down and repeat parrot fashion. They require you to engage in a serious dialogue with your prospective customer or client about their situation, their problem, and a solution to their problem. And a sequence of questions is actually no more difficult than that. Um, SPIN actually stands for situation, problem, implication, and need. Okay, So situation, problem, implication, and need. Um, now obviously if you walk into a sales meeting with someone um, and you dive straight into, I can solve your problem, you're probably going to fail as a salesperson because you don't really understand what their problem is yet. You might think you do, but you don't necessarily understand what their problem is. So in essence, the first thing you have to do is establish that there is a problem there. And the way that you start um, to get to the problem is by asking some general situational questions. Now, we're not talking here about um, wasting 10 or 20 or 30 minutes of a prospect's time by asking them about trivial stuff. You know, so for example, if you're there selling um, your IT um, services, or maybe even it's a computer network router, then you don't want to be asking them in detail about their HR policies, okay? Because it's not relevant and it's not gonna help you nor them, okay? So the situational questions you ask about have to be in some way connected with what it is you are hoping to sell. 
So if I was going into a sales meeting um, and I was meeting with a prospect to sell them an IT router, situational questions might be who do they currently buy most of their IT equipment from? How have they found that company or those companies as suppliers? Um, you get the idea, so it has to be relevant to what you're there to sell about. That's right. Well, what about before you get there? I mean, there's a lot of resources on the web that are going to be um, uh, providing you the capability to know a heck of a lot more about a prospect than what even 10 years ago you would be able to discover. Absolutely. Um, and so as part of your planning pre-meeting, um, you'd be well advised to go online and see what you can find out about the individual. And not just the individual, but the company or the business as well. Yeah. Um, there really is no excuse these days. There are very, very few people who you cannot find a fair bit about online. Um, and I think most prospects now, Brian, expect you to have done that research and to already know a bit about them and their business before you show it. I think so, yeah. Um, and, and to be clear, we're not talking about you know wasting hours and hours of precious time in doing this. We're talking about looking in the usual places that you know LinkedIn, for example, obviously a company's website. And I find it very useful just to go to Google and do a search on the person's name and the business name and see what comes up. Right. Um, you can sometimes, if it's bigger companies, they might be there might be some news items on the web about them. Um, sometimes you'll find testimonials um, online that aren't directly on their website, mm. so you can find out a fair bit about them. Um, so, do you create questions when you're doing that? Occasionally, questions will come to me. So, if, for example, I can see a news item that's particularly related to either what I'm there to sell about or a current very topical situation in the business, then I'll often scribble down a quick question to take into the um, sales meeting with me, Brian. Right. Um, one of the things you do need to be careful about obviously online is that um, just because it's online doesn't mean it's um, factual <laughs> um, you know so if you find something in there and it doesn't quite look right for you then take it with a pinch of salt um, but all you're really trying to do is get a feel for the person and the business one important thing to look out for is are you meeting with the key decision maker um, now hopefully as a marketing or sales professional um, you will have targeted the decision maker to start with, but just in case, make sure you're actually meeting with the person who can sign the check at the end of the day. Um, if you're not, then you may have to have an objective for this sales meeting that um, the aim is to get in to see the real decision maker. Uh, one of the things people sometimes tell me when I say that, Brian, is but oftentimes there's more than one decision maker. Um, in reality, there's only ever one person who can sign the check or um, say yes to the decision. Yep. There are, oftentimes, there are other people who may be involved in terms of influencing that person, but ultimately, somebody's got control of the cash. And that's the person who you, who you need to be selling to eventually, if not initially. Um, so, yeah, you do a bit of research. You go in armed with a, an idea of the flow of the meeting in terms of the types of questions you're going to ask. Yep. Um, spin model is as good as any if not better than most that are out there and interestingly the close in the spin model if we jump right to the end and then I'll come back but the, the close in the spin model is to do with helping the client understand the value of solving the problem that you're discussing with them okay? right. and in having that conversation by asking questions by having a dialogue oftentimes that's where your credibility and your insights come out um, 
And this, this ties in very, very powerfully with what we talked about in the last podcast, which is demonstrating value and earning a prospect's trust. Um, the other thing you do interestingly when you ask people questions is you get them talking about one of their favorite subjects, which is themselves and their situations and their problems and their issues. Okay? There's nothing worse, in my opinion, than meeting with a salesperson and the salesperson spending the whole 30 minutes or 60 minutes just talking about them, themselves and their products or services. And um, you'll actually engage a client a lot more powerfully by talking a lot less about your stuff and a lot more about their stuff. Um, it was a lesson I learned very early in my sales career when I was fortunate enough to be mentored by a very experienced um, salesperson who took me aside after the very first sales call I did, which I have to say with hindsight I did terribly. But he took me to one side and says, you just need to remember one thing when you're selling, Sam, and you'll do fine. And the one thing he told me to remember is it's all about them, it's not about you. Okay. Right. And that stuck with me the whole way, and it's a very useful um, phrase to write down in front of you before you go into every sales meeting. This is about them, not me. Okay. So, um, again, another um, way that people remind themselves of that in sales situations is the, the two ears, one mouth thing. And you should be listening twice as much as you're speaking. Um, so spin a sequence of questions, a very useful way once you've practiced it a few times. Um, once you practice it, it becomes second nature. Um, then it becomes a very simple way in which to conduct sales meetings. So it's about the prospect and not so much about you. Um, the other way I want to talk about, Brian, is um, something you mentioned in the last podcast as well, which you mentioned our approach within sales ecosystem which is based around this concept of naked selling. Um, now I'm not suggesting for a minute that um, you would run into a sales meeting without any clothing on, Brian, although I haven't observed you in that many sales meetings, so <laughs> I'm not yeah. prejudging that, but I think that might be a little bit scary for some prospects. Oh, it's scary for me in the bathroom <laughs> mirror. Okay, so we're not talking about that. What we're talking about by naked is really getting into sales meetings dropping all the pretenses okay dropping all the bullshit all the crap that you sometimes taught by people who don't actually know how to sell properly to do what we mean by getting naked in sales situations is approaching the situation with with some humility with a big chunk of honesty and with a real preparedness to engage in a real discussion with the client without predetermining what the outcome will be now i'm not saying you don't have an objective in mind what I am saying is you don't go in inflexible and rigid and try and achieve a fixed um, a fixed outcome following a fixed pathway. You yeah. have an approach that's flexible enough that goes with where the client wants to go, but is still directive enough that you're taking the lead and you're managing the sales process. Right. And I think that's a real important um, balance for people to aim at in any sales situation is about you need to lead the process and you need to direct the process, but you need to be flexible in doing so. And that sounds contradictory, um, but it's not. Um, it's about knowing where you're trying to get to, but being flexible enough in the pathway that you allow the client to take you through to get to the outcome. And what we do in the sales meetings that we run in the sales ecosystem is we use um, a process called the Launchpad process. And the Launchpad process and remember, our, our business as consultants is helping our clients improve their marketing and sales performance. And so when we go into a sales um, meeting, normally the client already has in mind that they have a need 
for either improving their marketing or improving their selling performance. So the process that we use is we start to talk about to the client about that particular process, either the marketing process or the sales process. And we get them to do most of the talking. We simply draw a picture for them as they're talking. And the picture that we draw is what the sales process for their customers looks like. Yep. And it's not quite the sales process, it's actually the buying process. So we'll sometimes map out the sales process, but we always map out the buying process that their customers use. That's right. So the prospect that you're speaking to is the one who gives you this information, right? That's right, yep. So we don't go in, we don't make any assertions about how much we can help them improve their marketing or their selling. The very first thing we talk about is how is, how is their business going and let's look at how people buy from you. Okay. By drawing up this picture of how their customers buy from them, we normally begin to uncover areas for improvement straight away. We uncover areas that haven't been optimized and in some cases we even uncover areas that haven't even been thought about. What this does for the client, and we, both you and I, have had this so many times, Brian, is people say to us, in the last 30 minutes, you guys have given us more insight into our business than we've had in 20 years of running this business. Now, the reality is, which they don't realize when they're saying this, it's not that we've given them the insight. They've had the insight themselves. All we've done is we've extracted the insights from them and brought it out into the open and put it on a whiteboard. And that's very powerful because as consultants, we are doing, we're doing a number of things, but primarily what we're doing is we're showing people how we do what we do. We demonstrate. And that thing that we do with the launch pad when we map out a, a customer or client sales process is some of the most valuable intellectual property we have. Okay, it really is. It's, it's, there are very few consultants who do it this way. So it's a great intellectual property we have. But we give it away free in the sales meeting. It's the very first thing we do. We just take our best piece of intellectual property and we put it out in front of them. And what we're doing when we're doing that? We're showing them the value that we can add to their business. We're bringing great insight to the table and we're winning their trust. Brian, um, you've done this as well as I have in terms of the Launchpad process. Um, have you got any experiences yourself you want to share with the listeners on the Launchpad process and how you find it going from a selling perspective? Sure. Well, in actual fact, um, uh, it's completely, uh, since we've developed this, um, uh, well, I guess you can call it intellectual property or this process, it's completely transformed um, uh, really uh, our work from being what you would call, um, you know, sales. What we do now is... Um, um, an interactive, it's like a workshop, and at the outcome of the workshop, not only have we um, used the uh, uh, great tools inside of um, um, Neil Rackham's book, Spin Selling, but we've also um, provided the, uh, the prospect um, some really uh, meaningful and useful uh, insight into their own business, and so it's um, it, 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 at the end, we've basically um, achieved an outcome uh, that, if done correctly, um, has already delivered value. And so there's really no, um, I keep thinking back to the old days, Sam, where you know you had to learn all these different closing techniques and all of this stuff. And yeah. um, you know, you would end uh, an hour of verbosity with trying to, um, to close somebody. And um, 
The other thing I've also found, uh, by the way, is that it, this has also um, helped build longer-term uh, relationships um, uh, because once you start to adopt this um, style, uh, it becomes part of everything that you do as a uh, as a consultant or a business person. You know, um, it, it 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 is a mindset of um, uh, giving before you're expecting a something in receive. Yep, absolutely. And one of the obvious questions I suspect you may have listening to this is, how, that's great, guys, but how does this apply to my business? Well. I'll give you a couple of examples. One from a company that sells um, tools and machinery, and that's completely different to what we do, but they use the exact same approach that we've just outlined here. So let me talk about them first off. Um, this is a company who sells tools and machinery to plumbing businesses. Okay, And the sales guys, they have a van they take out, they drive around, and they just look for plumbers, utes, and vans. And when they see one, they pull up. When they get a chance, they spend 10 minutes with a plumber, and what they do is they pull up, the product they're trying to sell, and they've got one main product that sells more than anything else. What it does is it basically um, allows plumbers to very, very quickly and effortlessly cut through pipes. And what they do to the plumber is they get a big piece of pipe out of their van, and they say to the plumber, using the best cutting device you've got, try cutting this using your tool. So the plumber does that using his own tool. They then give him their new butte tool and say, now try doing it using this tool. The plumber does it and lo and behold, without any effort and in a matter of seconds, no matter how difficult the pipe was to cut before, they can cut through it straight away. Gee. What's that salesperson doing? He's doing the exact same thing that Brian and I were just talking about. He's not helping people to sell or market better. He's helping plumbers to cut pipes better, but he's doing the sales in exactly the same way. He's doing it by demonstrating the value of the product that he's selling and he's winning their trust by letting them do it themselves. He's not doing the cutting, the sales guy's not doing the cutting, he's letting the plumber do it. He sells a stack load of these cutting tools, much more than anyone else does, um, this company. Um, they've got about six sales guys in Southeast Queensland, which is where we are in Australia. Um, and they do great business selling these cutting devices to plumbers. By doing the exact same thing by selling, to demonstrate value and to earn trust. So even if you're selling a product yourself, and you're thinking, oh, that can apply to me. My challenge to you is to start to think about how you can make this approach apply to you. Because yeah. if you can figure that out, you're going to sell a stack more of whatever it is you sell than you're selling at the moment. Yeah, and you know, the other one that I always uh, use, Sam, is that um, uh, your, your uh, roofer client who offered the free roof report. Absolutely, yeah. So again, yeah. you know, he's in the business of repairing roofs. Um, in some, some cases replacing the entire roof and you think well how could you possibly sell that service using the approach that we were talking about the way that he does it is he offers a free roofing inspection and free roofing report okay so he gets up into your roof he takes photographs of it he gives you a report on its structural soundness of its age of where its weak points are of how much money you're going to have to spend on it over the next five to ten years to look after it and of course, the most likely thing is when you get that report is because he's demonstrated he's really added great value to you as a house owner. Um, he's earned your trust because he's done a report for you free of charge. It has photographs in it, so he's not making stuff up. Anything he talks about, he takes a photograph of. Um, the most obvious thing a house owner is going to do is then say how much to get the work done. Exact, exact same, exact same approach, Brian. So. Um, 
irrespective of whether you're selling a service or a product, uh, the approach that we're talking here to sales meetings is a successful one. Sure, it often takes a bit of thinking on your parts in your business to figure out how to sell by demonstrating, but it's such a powerful way of selling, it really is, and, and it, I've seen it transform businesses just by stop trying to do selling the old-fashioned way by trying to force someone to buy from you, because the other reality is, and think about this from your perspective, the reality is we all like buying stuff, but none of us likes being sold to. Is that true? Oh, gee, that's so true. Yeah. So as a salesperson, if you can let the person buy from you instead of you selling to them, you're going to get more people who will buy from you. You'll get more people who, as you said, Brian, in our business will have a longer term relationship with us. And in all likelihood in your business, that will be the same as well. So it becomes not just a single transaction, but an ongoing relationship where they'll keep buying from you because they like buying from you. That's right. So there's a heck of a lot going from this. And, and the final thing I want to contrast what we've just been through with is going way back near the start of the podcast when we talked about the other way that you can run a sales meeting is by coming in with a rigid, pre-prepared, in-detailed sales presentation. That is the complete opposite end of the spectrum to what we're talking about here. And yes, we're aware that many salespeople have been taught that's what you do. In fact, I went to a sales meeting myself the other day and the first thing the prospect asked me, I was there to sell to them, the first thing they asked me is, where are you going to set up your presentation? <laughs> Yeah. And I looked at yeah. them, it took me a while to click what they're on about, actually. I, and so I explained to them, we don't do sales presentations. We get we help you improve your business. <clears throat> That's what we do in the time we're going to spend together. So it's yep. all going to be about your business, not my business, not what I do, but what you do. Yep. That's right. Don't hide behind the PowerPoint. No, the PowerPoint is a killer, as is the um, photo pack that I've seen some salespeople carry with them, the old-fashioned folders. Oh, um, yes. Yeah, all those things get in the way of selling. They don't assist you to sell. Um, I think that's probably a reasonable chunk of content to get through in one single podcast, Brian. What do you reckon? Oh man, I'll tell you what. That's that's a that's a big one, and there's a there's a lot of stuff in there that uh, I just hope that um, if you're listening to it, that you um, you really contemplate. Yep, and I think Brian has just dropped out there. Looks like his line has gone down, so I'll just close up for you. Um, yeah, I think what Brian was going to go on to say is there is a lot of detailed content in this podcast. Um, I'd encourage you to go back through and play it again and take more notes and really think long and hard about how you can apply this approach to how you sell what it is you sell. If you need help with doing that, then give us a call at Sales Ecosystem or reach out to us um, via email. Um, you'll find the, both our phone numbers and uh, email addresses on the salesecosystem.net website on the About Us page. So please, if you're thinking about this, you're not sure about how to apply or you just like a little bit of help with it, then reach out and contact us and we'll gladly give you two hours of a time completely free of charge. Hope you've enjoyed the podcast and on behalf of Brian and I, uh, we look forward to uh, speaking with you and meeting with you at some point, hopefully in the not too distant future. And we hope you come back and listen to the next podcast in the series as well. Thank you all.